0: story of jesus in about two minutes the dash of a life it's pretty short the greatest story ever told our desire is that the greatest story ever told intersects your story that's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks the story of lazarus the story of the woman at the well the story of nicodemus and this morning i want to kind of interrupt that and hear a story from jesus There's a story maybe you've been in and around church for a little bit and you've heard it before. It's the story out of Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son. What I want you to understand this morning is there were actually two prodigal sons. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us some stories. And the purpose of his stories, some of you know them as parables, are to illustrate a truth. And so here Jesus in Luke chapter 15, he's beginning this chapter and he tells three parables. The first parable he tells is the parable of the lost sheep, that a shepherd has a hundred sheep and he has 99 that are safe, but one that is not. And he sets those others in a safe place and he goes and pursues the one that has been lost. And he brings that sheep home and he celebrates because now all of the sheep are home. That's what a good shepherd does is takes care of his sheep. He also tells the story of a woman who doesn't have a whole lot, but what she has, she knows and has a count for it. But one day she loses some of her money, one coin, one precious coin. And when you don't have a lot of money, if you lose a coin, you're going to search for it. You turn over the couches and you do whatever you can do to find that money. And that's where she's at. She's in desperate need to find that coin. And she finds it and there's a celebration because she found that coin. And so the stories that Jesus are teaching are one of someone is lost or something is lost, and there's this great pursuit over it because it has power, it has needs, and it needs to be brought back to the fold or be brought back to the purse. And Jesus, in the midst of all that, tells the story of two sons and a father. So if you have your Bibles, if you will, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 15, and we'll hear the story of the two sons and the prodigal sons that they were there. So in Luke chapter 15, starting a little bit later on, it says this, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, to, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. They have to understand that the audience there is listening to the story. They're Jewish people. They understand. And so Jesus begins to tell this story. And one of the things that happens is the younger son comes to the father and says, I want my money now. That's the words. And so whenever he says to his father, I want my money now, I want my inheritance now. He's also telling his father, I wish you were dead. You are better and have more meaning to me in my life if you are dead than you are alive. I want my money. I want my inheritance so I can go live my life how I want to go live it. Now, interestingly enough, the audience would have understood, hey, this father then over the next few days liquidated as much as he could liquidate. There were probably some still some land that he couldn't liquidate, but he would give that one third of inheritance to the younger son. Now, the other son, the older son, his role in this is he is to be the mediator. He is to be the one when his father comes to him and says, hey, your younger brother wants his third and he wants to get out of here. The older brother should have immediately gone to the younger brother and said, hey, dude, chill out. Your time is coming. One day, dad will pass away. And when he passes away, what is rightfully yours, you will receive and you can do whatever you want with it. But you are not going to talk to dad that way. You are not going to treat dad that way. Dad is still here. We still need dad. We still need to be in the presence of dad. Dad still has stuff to give to us besides money. Our relationship with dad is more important than our inheritance. But we see it all the time, don't we? Money gets involved and families break up over money. Well, here the younger brother tells his dad, I don't want you. I want your money. So that came that day where the younger brother, the father, and the older brother sat down together, and the father dispersed, the younger brother getting one-third. And because the older brother didn't do his job of mediating, he received the other two-thirds in that moment. Because his heart was not right. His heart was, I want my money too. His relationship with his father was no different than the younger brother's relationship with the father. Both of them saw the father as an ATM and as a bank, not as an opportunity to sit in the presence of the father and to enjoy a relationship with him. So a few days later, the younger brother, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. So again, the father had given him some money and also had given him some land. And so what the younger son would have done to totally liquidate his assets, he would have had to have sold some of the land that the father gave him at a much cheaper rate than what it was truly valued at. Because here's the deal. When the younger son was given this piece of property and he sold it to someone, under Jewish law, it wasn't truly his yet to sell. It was still the father's. So the father still had full access to the land. He can use it and grow crops. So somebody who's buying this piece of land is owning it but has no rights to it and no use of it. So they're selling it for pennies on a dollar. He is so desperate to get away from his father's house and from the father that he will do anything to get a little bit of money to get away. And he goes to a distant land where he wasted all of his money in wild living. He cashed out and ran as far as he could possibly go to get away from the presence of the father. About the same time, about this time that his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now, I imagine that the father and the younger son had had these conversations. Hey, son, every hundred dollars that you make, 10% goes to the church, 10% goes into savings. The other 80% you live off of. But he didn't live by this. He took the cash that he'd gotten and he was just spending it like there was no tomorrow, like there was going to be at some point that there was money was making money. I don't know what he was just spending it like he could. And then all of a sudden a famine came. Now here's what you need to understand is famine was not something that was uncommon in that day. He should have known, if he was wise and had listened to any of his father's counsel, he should have known that a famine is coming. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Same is true in our life. There's going to be time where life gets difficult. It's not a matter of when, it's a matter of if. Are you prepared for it? And so here the younger son, instead of preparing, goes off and wastes it. Everyone was impacted by the famine. It was a devastating famine. Every single person was impacted by it. And he even got to the end of himself. He began to starve. There was no food. So what's he do? He begins to look for a job. And I'm pretty sure that's probably the father's wise counsel to him is, listen, I've given you everything that's yours. Don't go and spend all of it. You need to go get a job. Put the money I've given you, put it in the savings account, live wisely, but he goes as far from the father's counsel as he can possibly go. So in the midst of the famine, he goes to one of the few people that the famine has not impacted, which tells us about the wealth of this person, of this farmer. He goes to the wealthy farmer and he requests a job. Now the farmer knew who this guy was. He saw him and he says, ah, this is a young Jewish kid. This kid... This kid is a Jewish kid, and he's in a far-off, distant land, and he has come to me for a job. And kind of in this world that I live in, here's what he does. He gives him a job, and he sends him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now, if you know anything about Jewish people, they don't touch pigs. They don't eat pigs. They don't touch them. It's unclean. They get as far away from pigs. It is not a part of their life. And so he's telling him, he's sending him to the place. And so here Jesus in the story saying, listen, this guy is as low as he thinks he can possibly go. He's gone off to a distant land. He's spent all of the money. He's a, one of the few people that has an ability to help me. He's given me a job, but he's sending me a place that I do not want to go to. This is contrary to what I was brought up in, and here I am. But guess what? That's not bottom. The young man became so hungry that even the, even the feed, it's literally pig feed. It was feed only good enough for pigs. He was looking at that, and he saw it, and he wanted it. People would walk by and see him in need and still would not have mercy on him. He did not have anything. He was at the bottom of life. He once thought he had it all. Dad gave him everything. He goes to a distant land, and here he is now in the pig swine, in the pig feed, looking at all this, thinking, man, this is pig food. I don't even like pigs. I can't have pigs, and I want the pig food, and even that. I cannot have. When he finally came to his senses, this idea of senses literally means that when he came to the end of himself and realized he needed his father's help, repentance. When he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. So in his bottom place, in his place of desperation, at the place where he's at the end of himself, he comes to his senses, the father's wisdom, the father's counsel, the father's love, all the things that he'd experienced at home. Now at the bottom, he longs for it and yearns for it. And he even says, I don't I don't even, even the servants are taken care of better than I am right now. And so he longs for something that he once had, had once experienced. So what does he say to himself? I'll go home. To my father, and I'll say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. And so he begins his journey. So he returned home to the father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now think about this. At our house, when we know people are coming, we've invited them, right? And so when they know that they're coming, what do we do? We clean our house because we want you to think that we live that way all the time. We don't like unwelcome guests, all right? And so we clean our house and we prepare it. And so, you know, we do all those things. We vacuum, we do all that. Then we throw the stuff that we don't want you to see into a closet and we hide it there and keep it away. I know this because we do it. I go to your house and open up your closets and I find your stuff. But there's all this cleaning, and you're doing it, and you're. but you've invited, and it's just occasionally. And even whenever you kind of know, hey, we've invited them over. It's going to be 6 o'clock. We're kind of ready. Everything's kind of ready. The food's kind of prepared. We're waiting for them to bring whatever they're going to bring or whatever. And you kind of open up the blinds, and you look out, and you kind of wait and anticipate. I mean, you don't want to be real weird and, like, be on the porch waiting for them. I mean, you kind of maybe want to have the door open so the screen's there, but you're anticipating. You turn the porch light on, and you're ready for them. So when they come in, you're like, yeah, they're here. Think of this. From the day that the younger son left, every single day, it could have been weeks, it could have been months, it could have been years, we don't know. The father and his team cleaned the house and were prepared for the younger son to come home. Every single day, the dad would say to the mom, hey, he's coming home today. Maybe today's the day. They would open up the blinds. They would open up the door. Father would sit on the porch anticipating that today is the day that the younger son would come to his senses and come home. That is the father that loves us and that we have in God the Father. He has cleaned the house He has fattened the calf. He is ready every single moment. He is not surprised by our return. He is waiting patiently for us to come to our senses. And at the moment that he sees us, what happens? He was still a long way off, and the father sees him coming. And look at this. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He was stinky, y'all. He was been in a pigsty. He was nasty. He was stinky. The very clothes that he was left in, he didn't have any money. He's wearing those. He didn't have anything else. He'd lost his sandals. He's coming home, and the father sees him a long way off. Mama, he's home, and he takes off. The thing for us is we have to come to our senses and take the first step. The father knows it's going to happen. He knows that we're going to long for the things of home when we come to the end of ourselves and our wisdom and our resources. And that we're in the midst of stuff that we never thought that we would be in the midst of because we're better than that. We didn't come from that. And the whole time, Father's like, keep the house clean. Keep Keep the stuff out. Get ready. Turn on the porch light. He's coming. And he sees him and he runs and he embraces him and he kisses him. And he didn't even wipe off the stench and the mud and the pig stuff. He says, this is my son. But we have to take the first step. We have to take the first step, but he's ready to run from us. Now imagine this entire time, the theologians tell us that it was a long ways away. It was days and days and days trip. So you imagine if you've ever been on a trip and it's quite a while, he's imagining and he's thinking to himself, what am I going to say to dad when I see him the first time? Dad, I don't have any money. I mean, he's thinking about all this different stuff. And so what is he thinking of? He's saying this over and over. Father, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. In other words, Dad, I know I'm disappointing. I know I'm not who you thought I was going to be. I know you hope for more. I know when mommy and dad, when mom and you had me and you were, you got the little pictures of me and you were dreaming over me and you were praying over me. This is not what you dreamed and prayed about. But dad, I'm home. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But I'm home. But his father said to the servants, what do you say? Get my finest robe. Which means go into my closet and to get my best suit and put it on my son. The one that I wear when I'm going somewhere important. When people, when people need to know that this is the finest thing that I've got. You put that on my son so that now when people see him, they identify him with me. Cover over the stench. Just put his, my stuff over him. I want him to know and others to know he is mine and I am his. So put the finest robe on him. He is here with me. Go get my ring. See, he'd, he'd have left home with the ring, but he took that off, probably sold it. So he could do what he wanted to do, and the father says, I have another ring, it's been waiting for you. Put it on, and so when people see it, they know that you're mine. Your sign whenever you put a stamp in a letter, they know that you're me. You are speaking for me. And then finally, he put sandals on him. And Sandals in those days were only for the wealthiest of the wealthiest. The people that had money to waste. Because you're going to go out and you're going to walk among the dung. You're going to walk and it's going to be dirty. It's going to be filthy. Why would you want sandals? You only had sandals because you wanted them. Because you could afford them. And he's saying, son, you have wandered as far away from me as you could possibly wander. But I want you to wear my best suit. I want you to wear the family ring. I'm even going to put sandals on your feet. So that you understand that you are fully restored to this family. That there's no doubt When you walk into my house, that you are my long lost son. And I've never forgotten you. I've always longed for you to return home. And you have returned home. And I'm not sending you out to the servants' quarters. I'm sending you back to your room. And even before that, we're going to kill the fatted calf. And we're going to party. And we're going to celebrate because my son, what was lost, is now home. And so they kill the fatted calf. They've been waiting. And they celebrate with the feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found, and the party begins. Have you ever been to a party before, some of you? I've heard that you've been. I've seen your Snapchat and your Facebook you post pictures. And so I imagine it's like, you know, or whatever you got going on. There's, there's music going. Yes, I can rap. We'll do that later. All right. Meanwhile, now I have a crazy brain, as you can tell. Meanwhile, so whenever I think about these stories and think about it, you know, for weeks on end, like, God, what are you saying? What do you want to say to me? What are you saying to the people? These things just kind of fly into my brain. And so whenever this was kind of going on, I had this narrator voice going on in my head where this part of the story kind of changes, and it was like this meanwhile. So you've seen those stories or those movies, and it's like, meanwhile, back on the farm. You know what I mean? There's like, this stuff is going on, and there's this... Thing now on the TV, whenever you kind of put up closed captions, it tells you what kind of music it is. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever do that? That's It's really cool because you kind of learn what kind of music. And so I imagine this is ominous music. Whatever. Meanwhile, back on the farm, the older son is out in the fields. He's doing what he does day after day after day. And I'm sure he's angry and he's frustrated. He's like, man, every day I get up at dusk or at dawn and I have to get, I'm done at dusk and from daylight to sundown, I'm doing my job. I'm taking care of the father. I'm going out and doing all this stuff. And my younger brother, he's like out doing whatever he wants to do. Good riddance. I never liked him anyway. Well, in the meanwhile, he's out in the fields. He returns home. It's beginning to get dark and he heard music and dancing in the house. So that means it's a good party. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? That's a good question. What's happening? Your brother is back. Imagine what he's thinking. He's hearing a party. He's hearing all this stuff going on. He's been out in the fields. He's tired. He's angry. He's frustrated. The day is done. He wants to come home, have you have a little quiet meal and go to bed and get ready for the next day. And then he hears this party. My brother's back. (laughs) I got some words for my brother. I've been doing this day after day after day. And he's been partying. And now he's coming back and we're throwing him another party. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Your father's killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. In other words, the community is now here. The friends, the neighbors, they've heard. The father, they got an invitation and they're there. Everybody dropped what they were doing and they came home. The older brother was angry. I mean, like angry, angry. And he wouldn't go in. Hmm. Right? None of us would do that. So the younger brother wasn't right with his dad. He wasn't right with his community. He wasn't right with his relationship with the father. But neither was the older brother. See, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm the older brother. I grew up in and around church. And I would see people do the things that we do sometimes and come home and be like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm here. And I had been taught Check off the boxes. Here's the things you do. Here's the things you don't do. And if you do and don't do and you walk this path, there'll be pats on the back. You'll get rewards. And that's the older brother. He's faithful, but he never enjoys the father's presence. He never truly enjoys sitting down to dinner with the father and enjoying the father. His father came out. He's still sitting out there. And he begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once did you do a single thing you told me to. And I did not do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, listen, you never even gave me one goat for a feast with my friends. The younger son saw his dad as a banker. The older son saw his dad as a banker. Someone to get something from. What he forgot was the reward wasn't the goat. The reward was the dinner with the father. The younger son had strayed and went away and did his thing, and he came back. And the very thing that he longed for the most was to be a son and to be in the presence of the Father and experience the things of the home. The older son, every single day for years, had an opportunity to do that, but he was so focused on the chores, the things to do and not do, he didn't he didn't sit at the feet of the Father and enjoy his presence. The reward for us as followers of Jesus is not the goat. It is the dinner with dad the opportunity to sit and to listen and to have wisdom from him and stories from him and just to be in his presence. But so many times we get so religious and so churchy and so into the do's and the don'ts, we forget that the very reason that we were called to Jesus was to sit at his feet and to dine with him and to laugh with him and to cry with him and to hear stories. One of the things last night, I was at a party. I was hanging out and there was food. And we were talking and we were laughing. I was with some new friends and some old friends and some other old friends would come up. And I'd be like, oh, man, i got to tell you the story about this time. And we were kind of going and going. There's something about the power of presence with each other and our stories. And the Father longs for relationship with us and to sit with us and to enjoy life with him and to dine with him. He has stories to tell us. But we're either the younger son and think, man, I can do it on my own. It's got to be a more fun way out here. Or we're like the older brother and we think, man, I just got to check the boxes and one day I'll get the reward. While the entire time the reward is at home waiting for us to come home a little early from our chores to enjoy dad. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son... This son of yours, who's a disappointment, came back after squandering his money on prostitutes. You celebrate by giving him a fatted calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you have stayed with me. You've always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. He's been in the house the whole time. All he had to do was to ask. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was once lost, but now he is found. Which one are you? Are you the younger brother who's looked at the father and said, Listen, I've heard a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm going to go do it on my own. And so you've squandered, you've gone off and done your own stuff, and so you're in the lowliest of lowliest, you're in the pig swine, and you're thinking, man, I've come to the end of myself. I've tried all my, I don't know how even how to get out of here. I've got to go home and beg Dad to not even be a brother or a son, but to just be a slave and to receive some of the scraps off of his table. Is that you? Or are you a little bit more like me? You've been checking off the boxes. And you know the rules, you know the regulations, you know the right words, you know what it means to be religious, you know enough Christian stuff. But you forego that for sitting in the presence of the Father. My prayer is that each one of us, we're both in this room, all of us would experience what it means to sit at the table with God and to enjoy the party but more importantly, to enjoy the presence of him and what he has to offer us. That's our great reward. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, thank you. Thank you that you clean the house every day and are on the porch waiting for us to come to our senses. Father, thank you that every single day that we're out, Checking the boxes that you're waiting for us to come home early to enjoy your presence. Father, your inheritance is ours. It's just a matter of what we're going to do with it. Are we going to squander it? Are we going to kind of save it and never enjoy you? What are we going to do? Father, I pray this morning. If someone needs to come out of the pigsty and come home, that they would do that. Would they take the first step and know that you are going to run to them? If that's you this morning, just to yourself, just say, "Hey, I'm, I'm running home to Dad." And just imagine him tearing out off that porch and wrapping his arms around you and holding you, and you guys just weeping. And him kissing you and the tears, both of you, your tears just making mud pie on your face.
1: And the stench
0: and the newness of his robe being wrapped around you and the sandals on your feet. And coming into home with him and him announcing, my child is home. We've loaded. For this day, and they're home. Kill the calf. Get the party started. Maybe you're the older son, and you can hear the party, and you're angry and you're frustrated because you want that too. Come home early. Hear the music. Join in the party. Wrap your arms around your dad. Wrap your arms around your brother and say, we will dine together. That is what church looks like. Imperfect people gathered around the dining table in the presence of a Father who offers us what we do not deserve. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.